0: This is Mark Shepard, Romo Lamkin. You're listening to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. I don't think Romo is as crazy as people would think. I'm not a big fan of the dead cat. Dropping a Battlestar into the atmosphere is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica. I'm Brian, but it's not just me on this episode. We have an interview with Mark Shepard, who plays Roma Lampkin on Battlestar. We play Badger on Firefly and many other roles. Before we get to that, some news and housekeeping. We have a website galacticaquorum.com, an email, gquorum at gmail.com, and a voicemail, 206-350-6756. want to bring up that we have a Twitter feed now. You can follow all stages of the podcast, when it's being recorded, when it's being edited, when it's being uploaded. That is at galacticaquorum. That's one word. So basically, same thing as our URL. And of course, we also have our forums on our website. Join in on the discussion there. So before we get to this interview, just want to bring up something for our would-be podcasters out there. My advice is use backups. We record interviews out in the field with an H4 Zoom recorder, but I use an iPod Belkin attachment to do a backup. While I was setting it up, Mark Shepard was giving me a little bit of a good-natured hard time about having a, a second unit, but during the interview, his iPhone was doing its cellular handshake to the network and that digital squawking is silent for people but for electronic devices it just creates havoc and there was a few instances during the interview where it was doing its thing and the times that it did that were unusable but my backup was perfectly clean so i was able to insert those parts there so you might hear slight differences here and there so use backups so for this con dimitri and i went to shore leave in baltimore It was a very busy con, and typical of most cons by the last day, guests and attendees alike are both exhausted, and Mark was really tired. So I thank him immensely for talking with us. Talking with him was really interesting. He's so jazzed about Battlestar. He has nothing but praise for the whole crew, actors and production alike. There's a part where we talk about one of my favorite bits, where he has a monologue and he does a hiss, and that turns out to be an outtake, which I found to be really interesting. Interviewing him was... uh, Different than any other interview I've done. He likes to engage and challenge you, but it's totally in fun and done with a sly grin, and I hope that comes across.
0: So let's get to the interview. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Shepard. This isn't a truly exhausted Mark Shepard. <laughs>
1: Uh, It's been a long, long weekend, right? It's been
0: a very long weekend. I was actually up till 7 o'clock this morning debating with a group of school teachers, which is rather amazing. Mm.
1: Yesterday at the Q&A, you were talking about the uh, difference between American television and British television. And an observation I've always had is in the sci-fi genre, and this applies to Battlestar as well, that there seem to be a lot of British actors and characters, more so than other types of genres. And I was wondering if you thought...
0: Language, language. So is true. Yeah, it's language. Oh. It's, they, you make they make villains and make them English because they they speak so interestingly mm-hmm. It's funny. Up, Malcolm McDowell is 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 over in the other room What were a great example of a of a man that, that could do the genre as a villain. I mean, he's a fabulous villain It's about giving us language and the, the fact that we're used to handling language and we're kind of interesting mm-hmm. With the language, but I, I, I hardly call myself a British actor I've never been a British actor. I was an American actor. I've always been an American actor. My first my first work was in America. Hmm. I was never a member of the British unions, and I never really worked there. I did a film there. The first film I did was a film called In the Name of the Father, but I was cast out of America, which is kind of fun. Hmm. But uh, I've, I'd have to class myself as a, an American actor. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Hmm. Now, you've described Romo as the last, same man in the universe. Yeah,
0: and your problem is?
1: Well, in his last episode, the last one that we've seen... The death of the cat seems to almost take him off the rails a little bit.
0: Almost, yes. I love that. <laughs> almost take him <laughs> off the rails a little, little bit. i bring
1: my words here. No, no, no,
0: but almost take him off the rails. This is the great thing about Battlestar that we could we, we could talk about this for days. But the uh, the, the truth of the matter is is that. Uh, I don't think that Romo was half as crazy as he'd like people to believe. I mean, he was fighting the inevitability of a situation where there is only one choice, and he knows from the beginning there is only one choice. I had the conversation with Ron pretty early on into the process. I was like, well, he has to know from the start. I mean, what is he? He's not stupid. I mean, um, and it, it's an interesting part to see is lee aware of it is lee the only person who doesn't know he's the only candidate i mean it's kind of interesting but i don't think the episode is about me and lee but then i think uh, a lot of people tie it to me and lee in a wondering way you know and comparing it to the other episodes that we did together whereas i think it's an episode about uh adama and Roslyn. that's what i think it's about it's about the man getting on a ship and going out and waiting for her with a book that's right. what it's about that's what sine qua non is about i'm just the deliverer of the dialogue mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the dead cat. I never really, really was into the dead cat, but we tried to, we tried to do something to it. We tried to make it uh, somewhat palatable. I don't think Romo is as crazy as people would think. Mm. Although I don't think he'll ever put another, uh, a shirt and tie on again. Let's put it that way. I think he's got to a stage where everything is starting to, the theme of Battlestar has always been a sense of hope. And once you get to a sense of hopelessness, you know, hope is the last thing we need. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Romo is ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. with his desperation. Mm-hmm. That might be, if you think of him that way, if he's the last sane man in the universe, then he's, maybe he's, he's going, hey, you know, we're kind of heading mm-hmm. into a pretty dark area here. Right. You know? And I think he pulls the gun on Lee to go, if you're going to do it, I think you really need to do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of bullshitting around and right. playing at being no, 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 we should be electing this person. We should be doing this. It's like, you know what? Need to get on with it. Mm
1: -hmm. So do you feel that his motivation for propelling Lee to the presidency with the trial... I don't think
0: think he propels Lee to the presidency. What he does is he's he's gone, you know, quit bullshitting. mm -hmm. That's what he's doing. I don't think he's actually propelling Lee to the presidency. He's he's kind of been put in a position where Lee's actually using Romo to make it okay. Mm He's using Romo to rubber stamp his position. Mm-hmm. We've tried everybody else, and with nobody else, it must be me, mm-hmm. you know? To which uh, Romo's like, yeah, but quit playing. Quit playing, son. Get on with it.
1: Because Romo sees the system as being broken and Always. wants to, to fix things. Always has. But does Lee becoming the president circumvent the, a normal procedure to elevate? There
0: you go. That's Lee's argument.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: You know, he was Julia. Who cares? I mean, if you're going to go back to Crossroads too. He's saying that, you know, you can't apply the rules for 51 billion people to, <laughs> to a, a spacecraft full of just about enough people to maybe get it to right. the planet you've been looking
1: for. Right. It's funny because the, the quorum acts as if there were still 51 billion people. They're governing as if they're still so back on Caprica. They're creating and demanding things. that. They That's
0: can. what uh, the last three episodes of season three are about. Mm-hmm. And it will never go away until you, you take the pomp and circumstance out of it. And, you know. It's primarily a human story. It's primarily a human story. It's a story of um, a bunch of people that lost everything they thought they have and are pursued. And in their being pursued, they decide that they've got a shot of finding their heaven, Mm. basically. And having now seen the last, you having now seen the last episode of the season correct yes then and, and i hope everybody else has that uh, maybe the the seeing of heaven is not quite what one was expecting to see right and that's an interesting concept and maybe so maybe romo is aware of all of the harbingers of doom and all of the of the concept maybe he is the last same man he's maybe he's the one going. here we go again running around in circles mm-hmm. you know running around in circles what are we doing mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Who's going to take charge? Mm -hmm. Adama's going to go off and do his thing. I mean, it's interesting that Adama and and Romo have that conversation on the the balcony. I think it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. It's a very odd conversation to have.
1: The two of them especially.
0: Well, they never talk. They won't talk. They're both really sons of the same man. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge thing there. There's so much afoot in the second half of the season. There's so much in the second half of the season. There is so much to do and there's so much to experience that all of these things will, will ultimately make sense. They're all drops.
1: One of the observations that we had made um, on our show was that all previous cliffhangers to this point have been something where there's been a peril of a character or a situation or a ship that they had to resolve on the other side of the cliffhanger.
0: Difficulty with hope.
1: And now they get to a point where there's nothing really for them to get past and survive, but they just... How, it, how do, do you know from there
0: how oh. do you know how does anyone know I mean how does anyone know what it is it's a cliffhanger
1: mm. I and mean,
0: if we're watching it as viewers it's that's where you're at and it's like it's frustrating as all hell as is every season and mid-season ending that Ron has ever come up
1: with the frustrating thing is waiting six to eight months that's the most it's not that frustrating it's way worth it
0: it means, it, it means all the people that haven't seen it yet we can make them all we'll catch up on all the episodes so far that, that's, true. that's the trick we're supposed to go out and spread the word now <laughs> we're spreading the good manifesto Right. But, look, I'm honoured to be part of this. It's an extraordinary journey. I mean, what a thing to write for, you know, for Angelie and Taylor and for Haydn to write me this man in this way and, and Ron and, and David to to allow the scope to do it. There's no add-on characters to Battlestar at this stage, you know? I mean, it's I wasn't that funny. <laughs> there's, there's, no, uh, there's no add-on characters at this stage. I mean, there were some one-offs that came in, but there was... You know you it's very hard to pull out of what has turned out to be kind of a pivotal character at the end of the yeah. third season right. you know it's like it's a th- it's a we're moving into the last act right and you know who's the hell you know who the hell is this guy mm-hmm. and the cats and the dog and the star, It's like okay i love jake though i think jake's a lovely <laughs> thing the poor cat died it died recently oh there was a shot there was a pickup shot needed to be done in sine qua non so they mm. called that that the dog handler owns the cats it's actually his outside kitty mm. jerry cat is a great cat it's just a, it'll sit there and, but it'll sit with me all day i love that cat <laughs>
1: it's
0: about 10 or 11 years old well wow. actually not anymore it's dead <laughs> but uh, they called up to, to get it to do a reshoot and it had just been in a fight and lost an ear So, if you actually look really closely at one of the close ups of the cat in Sine you can see it's had its ear sewn back on. Mm. So, I figured, oh, wow. So, Battlestar is actually a benevolent society for animals. So, we've got plastic surgery for a cat. And then, uh, lo and behold, (laughs) two weeks later, I got run over by the neighbor's car. I'm like, dude, change his name to Lucky. (laughs) But uh, it it was a cool cat god uh, eddie hated it absolutely he's like what the hell do you need a cat for <laughs> and then we got into that whole thing of what are we going to do with a cat now i got a dog
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the dog's got to come back at some point otherwise i'm a dog killer right <laughs> sine was not like i don't think as, as easy as slam dunk as uh, sun also rises or crossroads one and two but it has its place in in the moving of a story mm-hmm. you know and it's uh, I'd love to do hero episodes forever. Let's have the Romo Lampkin show. It'd be great for me. But uh, uh, Romo is back at Mm. some point. And uh, I think he gets to dwell with his creator at some point, Mm. which is really cool, meaning Mr. Angeli. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of. The man writes beautiful poetry. He writes beautiful, beautiful poetry. You know, what can I say? We're going to be sitting here what eight nine months from now and going ah oh my god oh, wow yes absolutely yes wow oh my and then the debates are going to start once mm-hmm. it's finished that's when we'll be having conversations going so right. i hated this i loved that or what a question or mm-hmm. and and i'm so looking forward to that and what's really funny is that we because there's no episodes being made the episodes wrapped a few days ago The only way that that, that we will probably see each other is either at conventions or at each other's houses when we're either watching episodes. Um, We have to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. I've done it a couple of times so far, and people came to my house, and it was just like a wonderful experience just sharing what we enjoy so much about, and I just know that we're going to have to do that next season at some point oh, because yeah. because the joy of doing it, you know, needs to be shared. It's right. it's a shared experience. It's it not something you should ever watch on your own. I don't think Battlestar is something you should ever watch on your own.
1: Do you like the rest of us like see it in its full glory with the effects and everything for for the first time when it's actually on the. Uh on the I've area. actually,
0: uh, there's been many things. I saw Razor at Todd AO, which was a, which is a wonderful thing. The writers invited me to, to come watch Razor at, at the soundstage, mm-hmm. which is a huge screen. I've seen the stuff at the Cinerama Dome. I didn't see the last one, but I've seen at the Arclight Cinerama Dome, which is one of the biggest screens in the world. Mm-hmm. Was it Crossroads 1 and 2? I think it was Crossroads 1 and 2 was screened last year. Not to watch was brilliant. Mm-hmm. But, uh, as a filmmaker I I don't have a problem watching unfinished stuff but I get so excited when I see the effects and and an episode without Bear McCreary's score is a completely different thing than it is with I mean the man just did me the greatest honour of all time he he created a a theme for me Mm. go on his website he actually explains how Mm. and why and and I'm like he's like oh yeah Mark always bugged me about doing a theme and I'm like that's a pretty cool theme (laughs) (laughs) but I mean as an artist I think he's incredible as as an artist I think Andy Sackler and, and and Mikey O and, and Paul and everybody that, that's opposed on that on that side are, are artists, mm-hmm. and you have to give them the time that they require in order to make the show that we want to see. Mm-hmm. You know, we may argue with it or not enjoy it, mm-hmm. but like I was saying today, I mean, people talking about SFX and talking about uh, VFX visual effects. Hey, you know. Dropping a Battlestar into the atmosphere is kind of cool, dude. Kind of cool. (laughs) And they're good at it. Them boys are really good at it. I've spent some time with them and they just, they smile ear to ear, Mm. knowing that they're, they're creating and doing something that's as high as you can go. You're raising the bar as high as you can go and they want Battlestar to be the best it can be. The rap party, uh, Ron Moore's gift was uh, a book, a bound book. With, with which we'd all contributed quotes and, and thank yous and has a lot of stuff about a lot of the episodes and a lot of the people. And It's just a, it's a personal book. It's like a yearbook for us. Mm-hmm. And to read that was a joy, to go home with it in my hands and, and know that I was going to be staying up all night reading it because it just has so much candid photographs and mm-hmm. and people that I'd worked with. I'd, I hadn't worked with that much, but people who immediately included me in mm-hmm. and let me be part of this, this incredible family. You're reading this stuff. You're looking at how we... <laughs> You know how it was constructed and how it was done, and there's a wonderful section on uh, what the hanger deck looks like, because of a VFX section, and what the hanger deck looks like with the green screen, mm. which is what I'm used to seeing it as, and then what it looks like when you've put the stuff in, mm. you know, the, the length thing, so you can see down the tubes and stuff. It's the most startling. Contrast, right. and what's funny is I see it both ways, and I'm used to it both ways. I'm used to seeing it with a giant green screen. It's still a huge place, mm. and I, I walk around. I have walked around on Galactica on the stage, and i every one of those corridors, I've touched every one of those corridors, and I've spun every one of those doors, and and they, pretty much apart from the CIC, I've never been in the CIC lit because mm. there's no reason for me to be there. But pretty much every other area, I've been pretty damn close to or in. And so every time I see him on TV, I kind of know the hall. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's like ooh. <laughs> it's like being a little kid because I'm such a fan. Yeah. And you're like, I know that door. That's the door. That's I know what it looks like. I know where it is. I know how to get from there to craft service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know how to get from there to go get changed. I know where the bathroom is. You know, it's it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's funny because that's I, I will watch the show. I'll always watch the show. I hope I get to rewatch the show many times in my life. But uh, I'll always, you know, know what it looked like, what it smelled like, and what it tastes like, which mm-hmm. is an amazing thing to be part of. Yeah.
1: Now, w- during a podcast you did about a year and a half ago, what we refer to <laughs> as the drunken podcast and fandom.
0: I wasn't drinking. I don't drink. Well, so no, not you. But I'm everyone the only else one was- I drink it. But I wasn't allowed to talk. Terry was like, yeah. Terry was like, you can't say anything because i just been, I was just shooting some Arises. Yeah.
1: yeah. we well, you talked about doing scenes with James and Jamie, working things out beforehand, I presume that you kind of did something similarly with the big confrontational scene in the last episode with the gun, or was it different this time around? Did you did you approach it differently, or
0: I didn't really enjoy the scene. The purpose behind the scene is very difficult to do, but Jamie's fabulous. He he, I mean, we're both having to go at it at a hundred percent all the time because you can't you can't hold back on it, and it's very difficult to make it make sense. So you you put it up on its on its feet and you attack it, and you see what happens. And you're both attacking it, and you're both trying from different sides to attack it, and you're both f- trying from different sides to make it work. And, I mean, I love his process. His process is beautiful. He tries the best that he can to make something real. And, it, and it's fabulous to watch, and I'm, I'm trying the best that I can to make it real from my end. Very different circumstances than Sine and Crossroads 1 and 2. I mean, we, we were in a much more exploratory place in the other one and this one it was kind of a lot of inevitability and a lot of you know the downside of having to do this mm. uh, i think a lot of what lambkin was doing was on his own most of my stuff that was that was in there was on my mount. i love ron using my outtakes in the middle of a middle of a shot me <laughs> yeah it's
1: I, just i was so surprised to hear that that i was going to bring that up as a question but yesterday during the q a you oh. mentioned that was uh, it's, it's
0: me, it's me truly fracking up a line. <laughs> I mean, truly fracking up a line. Yes. And Rod Hardy, the wonderful Australian director, going, uh, can you go back? I'm like, no, I can't. Go b- I gotta go back to the top. I can't remember all the stuff. <laughs> it's like such a huge, convoluted speech you know and back to the top and Ron looked at it and he was like that's so cool I want to put it in you look like a cat
1: yeah. I thought it was genius because the cat's dead oh that's Ron's subliminally genius. in your mind or something and it's they Ron... used it even in the beginning in the opening yeah, yeah the montage yeah. at the beginning it It's because
0: was... it's real yeah it's total frustration yeah they couldn't put they were talking about the blooper reel and they couldn't put a lot of my stuff on it because it's me being really angry wow <laughs> <laughs> <ba>, <laughs> You know, because I got a lot of shit to say. I get a lot of shit to say. Yeah. And I mean, I'm so I'm proud that, that Bob Young and Angelie and, and, and Ron and everybody are like, you know, oh, yeah, Mark, you, he'll do five pages of dialogue, no problem at all. You know, I'm sitting at home agonizing for hours God, I will never remember this. <laughs> it's my favorite thing ever. I've talked about it a few times, but it's most important to me is that I was asked in a really good interview. where I was once called Smarmy by a lovely lady who i know very very well who i think is a lovely writer too she's a really good writer and she goes so you know your character's kind of smarmy to which i used the opportunity to go and absolutely not it's not and and, and was able to bring her back to the word smarmy every five minutes it was a good hour and a half of interviewing and uh the question was posed how much of what i'm pretty certain the question was like how much of, of what you do is improvised and how much of it is written and i happened to have a a, a copy of sine qua non on my counter which we were doing something for charity for saint jude's or whatever and uh i picked it up and i said listen to this this is something you will never ever 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 hear but you can only read and if you unless you have the script you'll never know what it says and in the middle of the caprica six scene in the cell you know, you know did, have you heard the story you know what i'm saying middle of caprica six scene in the cell is the actions lee looks up for the first time but not not at the sex, at Romo, who removes his glasses, revealing eyes so exquisitely human as to rego- require the veiling or unveiling. Mankind. Oh my <laughs> God! First time I read it, I was like, "You bastard!" <laughs> oh my God! I'm going to be revealing eyes for the most, uh, the, the most exquisitely human, and require the veiling or unveiling. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got to play. Yeah, I got to minorly embellish what was going on but the writing was so damn good that anything that did come up as a suggestion was as a result of what was written right. it's never just like you know what that's really nice that you're doing that let me go think of something I've, you know I'll go do it mm-hmm. so it's great writing that makes you feel part of the collaborative process and even if your injection is a couple of words, or change, switching something, or dropping half a line, or or enforcing that you really believe that something is really strong and doesn't need the second half of something. You're supporting the story, you're supporting the writing, which is so fantastic and so fabulous. And and that's the way the Battlestar works, which very few other shows do, is that the writer is brave enough to be there, and the writer is brave enough to debate with you the necessity of what is being said. And if you're smart, you can make it better. With both, you know, with both of you there, you can always be tweaked or moved, or Mm -hmm. somebody say that doesn't. It's not doing it for me. Maybe we should do this, you know, because there's, there's, you know, on the page it's one thing, on the set it's something else, Mm -hmm. and on the screen it's something else completely. Mm -hmm. You know, those stages
1: are so different. It's a fantastic show.
0: There's not a lot of shows
1: (laughs) like this. I was going to ask you to compare then your experience with Battlestar and with Firefly
0: difficult to do jewel just walked past a few minutes ago but um it's difficult to do because um firefly was you know 13 15 episodes and it never got to anywhere it has a beginning never had a middle or an end Paddle stars a beginning a middle and an end i watched the beginning i watched the middle got tacked into the end of the middle and started to come in at the end which is that's the difference And, you know, who knows how good Firefly would have been in year two or whatever, which, you know, I mean, I love Joss's stuff. And Jane Espenson was writing with then, and Ben Edlund, who created The Tick. And I mean, some great fucking writers, Tim Minear. And the actors are fantastic, playing with Nathan and playing with Gina and Alan and Ron and, and Summer and Adam. And it's just amazing. They're great people to go to work with, which I did two times Mm -hmm. two and a half times and enjoyed every minute of it but there's that terrible sense of loss because of potential not because of realization and the sense of loss with battlestar is is it's done but it's done Mm -hmm. so there's a really sort of wow there's a very reverential point to it you know there's a very reverential feeling to it Mm. you know i get to go play with eddie you know doesn't life don't suck (laughs) yeah (laughs) No better actors to play with. I mean, there isn't. There's, there's some guys on that set, and girls on that set, who are doing very little work by most people's standards, and who are just fantastic. They're just fantastic. There's actors on that set with with very few lines that are just so wonderful. They make this world. They make this thing happen. And 25 years from now, you'll be giving Battlestar as a gift to somebody. That's the point. Going, mm. hey, you know, we want to want to watch
1: a sci fi show. This is what we thought sci fi was, and. 2008 you made an interesting i thought point in that one podcast with the round table with everyone you said to ron that you thought that there would be a 13th Cylon, and he said he hadn't thought that that would be but you just thought because of the creative process that you you never limit a man but you never
0: limit that man to the idea that anything isn't possible he absolutely knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. but he's so willing to to re-examine and re-dig and re-look and remake, and that's that's classy and he has writers that are that good i mean he's i mean you're not talking about it's not a bunch of school kids here there's a bunch of people that care so strongly about what they're doing that they they debate and hash through and, and pound through this stuff and they want it to be the best they can make it there's some amazing things that have been thrown out, <laughs> yeah. which quite rightly, there's some, there's some <laughs> amazing things that, that were brilliant ideas a long time ago. Mm-hmm. That such is the nature of, of that kind of ability, of that kind of talent, is that you're going to have episodes we don't like, mm-hmm. characters we go, oh, you know, mm-hmm. shoot and throw them out the airlock, like, mm-hmm. And you can have episodes that you just can't live without. Mm-hmm. Because the creative process is so, so deep. Now, we're coming to the end of something as viewers. I'm a viewer of, of Battlestar as well. I just watch it because I'm in it. I've watched every episode. And as, as a viewer of Battlestar and as a, as a fan of Battlestar, that sense of hope that seemed to be endless at the end of the last season, mm-hmm. even though there's, we're left with a cliffhanger, there's no shit, we're running out of time and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, We've run out of people you know but it's always well it's still in the, the tens of thousands it's right. not in the hundreds right. yet you know and you're like wow now we're going what the hell do you do now you find earth what do you do now what the heck is going to happen now and what does this mean for the humans what does it mean for the cylons i aspect with the other cylons is that you know this are they be? Are they going to be pursued to death? Are they in? I mean, what? I just want to know. I just I want to see what happens. And leaving me with this eight or nine month breather is probably brilliant because by the time mm-hmm. we see it, I'll be like, right. And then everybody will want to kill Ron again, mm-hmm. you
1: know. Like you said, they have such a creative well that I find it hard that they won't want to continue in some some way. I, I believe this story is an end. I believe it's going to come to a conclusion. Yeah, and they're doing these other movies off to the side. I don't
0: know that there's movies. I do. I've heard that there is a movie, mm-hmm. and you know, it's about speculating and finding what is the right thing to do. And I'm sure it'll be a retroactive mm-hmm. deal. It's like kind of like more like Pegasus than anything else, because that's the sets they have. Right. You're not going to go. Are you really going to take everything on? I mean, haven't you not? When you say there is an end of a story, are you, are you actually ending the story? Or are you going to end the story and then continue it? Mm. Right. In, in a movie I don't know that people tend to do that I think they tend to end the story and then want to go back mm-hmm. because there's so many other other stories to tell within the story mm-hmm. it's interesting that they came up with Caprica and Caprica being 50 years before mm-hmm. or being Remy's pitch and it being adapted into uh, into what it became I think it's fascinating 50 years before interesting casting too
1: at the beginning of this season Sci-Fi had a teleconference with Katie Sackhoff and I got to ask her whether Gee, isn't she. Uh, I was over the phone. I didn't get to see her. She's still cute. Um, She's still cute over the phone. Yeah. I asked her... Good actress. Whether She's she... an amazing
0: actress, that woman. That woman is just an amazing Actress.
1: Well, you saw it in *Bionic Woman*.
0: Even the, the little bits. Oh, that she don't had. get me started with *Bionic*. Woman. She didn't have little bits in *Bionic Woman*. She had loads of bits in *Bionic Woman*. You had little bits. No, I had loads of bits <laughs> in *Bionic Woman*. Was
1: there? See, were there episodes of that that we never saw? Yes,
0: or? there was. Episode two was shot and never released. Thrown out. The uh, problem was is that the the guy in the pilot, Chris played character in the pilot the love interest in the pilot shot six episodes and they cut him out they decided to get rid of him so they reshot those six episodes to get rid of him Mm. might have been trying to get rid of me i don't know i was like it got very very weird after a while and uh i wasn't in little bits i was originally permeating through the story Mm. and as the same was with with sarah Corva's character i mean she was she was extremely pivotal and I don't know how or why, but, you know, the 86 people that were fired in three months and the, the amount of money spent on nine hours of television is unbelievable, mm. unbelievable about money. To come up with what? What was it? What happened? Mm. You know, we do the pilot, the original pilot. Mm. I mean, I read the original two-hour pilot. That's one thing. Then, you know, Smilovich came in and, and did a great job as fast as he could of getting an hour. I like Smilovich as a writer. I think he's a great guy as a writer. Um, talented, talented man. And it, we got through that, and then they start tinkering, and then they cut an actress. You know, I think an Emmy-nominated actress yeah. as well. Is
1: that the sister? Yeah. The original the, sister?
0: Yeah, the original sister was in... What's her name? Was in uh, Arrested Development. She was, she's a good, good, good actress. And they were like, well, no, 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 we need to go this way. And then they were like... Do they fire the the lead boy? Do they not fire the lead boy? And then Katie's in there doing the fighting, and she's just stealing the episodes. I mean, stealing every minute. Mm. Not because we're Battlestar fans, because she's just amazing. Mm. And then they they get worried, because it's not the bionic bad girl, it's the bionic woman. And, you know, it's a different thing making a cable show. You know, and this is just my opinions, but it's a different thing making a cable show than it is making a network show. You have to answer to a whole new different set of rules. Right. And I don't think they... Like they certainly didn't give me anything to do. You know, and that's not Ike's issue. That's that's other stuff. That's other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that it, it couldn't have been the most pleasurable experience for those people that didn't get to to realize their full potential. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I thank David Ike for the experience. It was an ex- incredible experience. What a, what a lovely thing to do for me, to give me a job. Mm-hmm and you know and i got to work with him and i got to work with jason smelovich and i got to work with people i really really liked and watch it just fall off a cliff Mm. you know through i don't know what through tinkering through just nobody caring at a level which would have helped Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and the publicity i couldn't take a whiz in a bathroom without seeing a picture of the bionic woman it was amazing and it was like it cannot fail it cannot fail i'm like yeah (laughs) cut me off a slice of that it cannot fail you Mm. know and then what was funny is we were shooting on the same lot Mm. so i used to go for the battle star to eat because everybody was so upset and miserable (laughs) the crew were always in a state of are we actually going to get fired are we going to make it through the week Mm. it was terrible and I'm like, thank you, NBC. You know, absolutely, thank you, NBC. Thank you for the executives who, who, who put their faith in me and let me let me do the job. And it's a tough gig, and it's easy to, to you know, dig a hole and bury a TV show. Mm. But it's frustrating, too. It's my first experience of, wow, this could be a nice two or three years of me being the villain, mm. you know? And nothing happens. Mm. <laughs> and I get to go back to Galactica, which is just, like, fantastic. I'm actually starting uh, Middleman tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. Javier grigio marx series is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. That gentleman introduced me to Naren Shankar. Naren Shankar introduced me to Ron. So okay. my world has become very small as a result. And Javier, I will always be indebted to. He wrote on first at The Chronicle. Uh, I did Jake 2.0 with him, with Sylvia Horta. Mm-hmm. What else were we going to do? He was doing the first season of Boomtown. He was on the first season of Lost. Mm-hmm. Great writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, went on to Medium when I was doing Medium. It, became, it was an exec on Medium. And... Uh, Wrote his comic, The Middleman, and great, great comic. So, yeah, can I put you in there? Uh, Mark, you don't mind if I use your face? I'm like, I'd love you to use my face. <laughs> and it's just, thank you, ABC family, for, for saying, yeah, we'll, we'll let Mark come and play. Mm. So I get to do a very, I kind of, I hate to say this because I love Harvey's writing as Harvey's writing. And it's his own writing, and it's beautifully witty and beautifully clever, and wonderful run-on sentences <laughs> that, that have lasted me for years. But I, I find it Tick-esque, mm. which I, which I think is one of the greatest compliments I could I could give. I think the Tick was brilliant, and to, to move into that is is fun to do. It's a nice antidote to all the incredible amount of seriousness that has been going on recently. Mm. I just did an episode of Shark for fun. Just I want to go play with James Woods. It was mm. So much fun. He was an amazing guy, and but it's not like going to work at Battlestar. Going to work at Battlestar is just this fucking joyous experience. It's nice people, you know, nice, nice people, good people. Every person that works there, being treated right, being looked after, being loved. Mm. It's just, you know, when you know you're doing something good, mm. it's kind of infectious. Mm. And my favorite story of the whole thing is, is saying we all live in a certain place in, in, in Canada. We go up to the certain Place when we, when we stay in this hotel, which has been around, you know, for years. It's where every director and every actor stays, if they're not living there. And, uh, you know, in the bar at a Sutton Place, I can sit there with Joe Flanagan, Jason, and, uh, Ed Quinn, Michael Trucco, myself, mm-hmm. Tammo will show up, Aaron will show up. And, you know, holding forth at a table, I'll be sitting there. You know, if the writers are in, t- in town, whichever writer is in town on Battlestar, it'll be, you know, it'll be Angela or Taylor mm-hmm. or Verheiden will come in. And it's just that place and you sit and you collapse. And, you know, and, and Ed and those guys are like, oh, fuck you here, No, 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 no. Fingers mm-hmm. in ears. Don't tell us. Don't tell us what the fuck you're doing. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. It's like, no, <laughs> don't tell us what the story. Do not tell me what it is. Well, these six foot five boys going, don't tell me what the story is or mm-hmm. we'll kill you. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing to be. To be respected by your peers for doing something that's really good. And, that, you know, to understand from these, these great actors that are working on a lot of shows that the great work is sometimes very hard to find, very, very hard to find. And that we're all incredibly lucky hmm. to have a shot at doing something that, that, that people debate about in corridors till seven o'clock in the morning. You right. know what I mean? Right. That we'll be having, you and I will be having arguments about in 12 months time sure. going, ah, <laughs> but you said, you know, and that's great. And Ron and, you know, Runs that damn instigator. He's that guy that's like, hmm, what if... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Ah, but... <laughs> you know, and, and that's what it should be. That's what sci-fi was. Those boys came from pivotal, pivotal inspirational television. You know, to work with Iron, those guys, and Gene, and, and come up with something as layered and as clever and as complex as... as next generation at the time mm-hmm. at the time and everyone's like what the hell is this you know this crap on tv and you're watching <laughs> and you go no actually there's something really good here yeah. there's something good and they, they did it and they they fought and they pushed and they fought and they pushed and you know from that comes so much other stuff you know mm-hmm. ds9 is a you know a great example It's probably one of the better written television mm-hmm. shows that, that nobody watched yeah. <laughs> But brilliantly written. I mean, it was on forever. You know, UPN being, the, you know, mm-hmm. being the, the great repository of this stuff. And, you know, and Ron and Renee Cheveria and Remy and those guys, just what they moved on to, you know. Um, Renee 4,400, <laughs> Intermedium. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Ron, you know, ending up with all of that and then ending up at uh, Carnival. And, I mean, what an amazing group of writers you're mm-hmm. talking about. Inspirational people. And then you know clunk here's Battlestar let's take this series that everyone went what <laughs> are you gonna I mean Ike is so smart to have found Ron so who else would have picked Ron Moore who would have I mean I got it Ike I was like this this guy could do it this guy could actually make it something better than it was I mean I love the fact that the, 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 the Glenn Larson's original idea there was so many good things in it mm-hmm. but to know that I see that Ron saw the great things in it and went, yeah, but there are some rules. You've got to take out, you know, the opera. You've got to take out the opera and space opera. You've got to take out the the, the stuff that's not worthy of the story, right. you know, and the stuff that Richard Hatch and everybody were fighting about back right. in the day going, guys, you know, you know, basically they were there, you know, Richard and, and Dirk were, the Cassidy Brothers, you know? Right. I mean, that's what they were. Most women, the Hardy Boys do right. space. It doesn't mean anything. Because you're constantly being hamstrung to make a nice, tidy mm-hmm. 45 minutes of, of television. Back then, 46, 50 minutes of I television.
1: One interview with Ron was saying, they, the very first episode, they almost had it. where They had the calamity of the destruction. And it was almost there. And then they go to a casino planet. And it's like, what? Exactly. It, it just wasn't quite...
0: It's made by committee. Yeah. And, you know, whatever you may say, I mean, Ron and David... I don't think they got a big committee. (laughs) (laughs) They have a committee, and they use it very wisely. (laughs) You know, there is a singularness of purpose. I mean, I know this for a fact because I've seen episodes that I I did that I've seen rough cuts of, further cuts, just in the process Mm. and watched. And then when I've seen their hands touch it, you go, oh, right, yeah, yeah, now it's Battlestar. Mm. There is a moment where you go, I know I miss that thing that we did, but this is Battlestar. There is, there is a, there's a cohesion to the episodes that we see. So I do like what, to answer your previous question. Mm. Watching the finished product is always so exhilarating in comparison to, to watching the process. Mm. But uh, wow, what a way to go to work. I don't know. Hopefully we'll find something else like that. Hopefully there will be something else that will manifest itself.
1: I'm hoping so because there's going to be just a, a void, really.
0: Well, we'll always love this. And, you know, I think every one of these actors is going to take that into what he does. Tamo's gone to Dollhouse mm-hmm. and, and Truco's got a show and, and Trisha's gone to, uh, what was she working on? She was working on Burn Notice and I think she has a pilot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talented, talented actors. You've got Grace has a series with, with Ben Bratt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an interesting time. It's a very interesting time. These are talented, talented people. I hope they spread as much joy, and I hope it becomes as infectious as it was when they they spread their joy and love when we're on Battlestar. I mean, they're the nicest people to nice people to bump into, man. Nice people to bump into, smiles and <laughs> and handshakes, and oh, it's great to see you. Bumping into Mary is a joy. Bumping into Eddie is a joy. It, it lights up your your day, you know. I want more. I want more of that as a guest star, as a perennial, sometime recurring sometime you know sometime regular actor you've got to you've got to have uh, you got to cherish those moments because they're not always there thank that you was very, a, that was very a pleasure. much pleasure no i appreciate it
1: so again i want to thank mark Shepard for talking with us really appreciate him carving out some time at the end of the long weekend to talk with us on our next episode we will be doing our town hall discussion we contacted some listeners had a sort of town hall round table so that'll be our next episode. We're going to continue to do more Town Hall stuff. So please keep sending in your emails, voicemails, and your theories, your comments, your questions. It doesn't have to be just about Battlestar. We are going to be talking about other sci-fi shows as the off-season continues. So I think that'll do it for now. Our website is galacticaquorum.com. Email is gquorum at gmail.com. Voicemail 206-350-6756. The jump clock is running. Bye-bye for now. And we can hear the dulcet tones of Deep Space
0: Niners next door. Bingo. There we go. This is a surreptitious argument. This is interesting. I like this one.
1: What's it recording on? It's a uh, It's an card, yeah. yeah. Not bad. And
0: yeah, the going to back up because you
1: going to be in. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: We've already started the podcast, but he can't get his iPod to work. It's funny. Being a Mac tech. Uh, all right. This isn't too hard. Ooh, I like this. Look, 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 we got... Quadraphonic sound.
1: I could make a 5.1.
0: No, you couldn't.
1: No, well, that's right. No. You, yeah, kind of. That'd be the, the one. Yeah, there you go. All right.